I don't know about you, but I'm starting to really miss traveling and just talking to people without having to think about masks, social distance, and activating the COVID tracking app on my phone. In the coming days, there is one event that, granted, won't make all of that disappear, but will remind me how enriching it is to meet new people. And this event is PyMCON, the first ever conference about the PyMC ecosystem. To talk about the conference format, goals, and program, I had the pleasure to host Ravin Kumar and Kwan Enuyen on the show. Kwan is a PhD student in computer science at Washington University in St. Louis, USA, researching Bayesian machine learning and one of the PyMCON program committee chairs. He's also the author of several programming books on Python and scientific computing. Ravin is a core contributor to RVs and PyMC and is leading the PyMC on conference. He holds a bachelor's in mechanical engineering and a master's in manufacturing engineering. As a principal data scientist, he has used Bayesian statistics to characterize and aid decision-making at organizations like SpaceX and Sweetgreen. Ravin is also currently co-authoring a book with Ari Hartikainen, Osvaldo Martin, and Jun Benglao on Bayesian statistics due for release in February. We talked about why they became involved in the conference, parsed through the numerous amazing talks that are planned, and detailed who the keynote speakers will be. So if you're interested, the link to register is in the show notes, and there are even two ways to get a free ticket, either by applying to a diversity scholarship or by being a community partner, which is anyone or any organization working towards diversity and inclusion in tech. All the links are in the show notes. This is Learning Bayesian Statistics, episode 26, recorded October 13, 2020. Welcome to Learning Bayesian Statistics, a fortnightly podcast on Bayesian inference, the methods, the project, and the people who make it possible. I'm your host, Alex Andorra. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Andorra, like the country, and reach a true Bayesian state of mind by visiting learnbayesstats.anvil.app. That's learnbasedstats.anvil.app. Do you want to support the podcast and unlock exclusive patient swag at the same time? Then you can visit my Patreon page at patreon.com slash learnbasedstats. Starting at $3, you can get various benefits like the private LearnBasedStats Slack channel, early access to special episodes, selecting questions for episodes, or even coming on the show. You'll get more details at patreon.com slash learnbasedstats. Thanks a lot, guys. I'm very grateful for any support. Let me show you how to be a good Bayesian and change your predictions after taking information in. And if you're thinking I'll be less than amazing, let's adjust those expectations. What's a Bayesian? It's someone who cares about evidence and doesn't jump to assumptions based on intuitions and prejudice. A Bayesian makes predictions on the best available info and adjusts the probability because every belief is provisional. And when I kick a flow, mostly I'm watching eyes widen, maybe because my likeness lowers expectations of tight rhyming how would i know unless i'm rhyming in front of a bunch of blind men dropping placebo controlled science like i'm richard hey folks just a quick note to remind you that the next episode will be a special one with andrew gelman and merlin heidemans we'll dive into the Bayesian model they helped develop for the economist forecasting the u.s presidential election Patrons of the show in the full poster tier or higher will get early access at the end of October, so just before the election, 
If this sounds interesting to you or to someone you know, make sure to visit patreon.com slash stats to unlock this exclusive benefit. And speaking of the US election, I recently went on another podcast as a guest this time. I talked about polls and electoral forecasting models on Max Clara's local Maximum podcast. You often ask me uh, what I do around these topics, so check it out and I hope you'll enjoy. And now it's time to talk about Prime Sion. Ravin Kumar and Kwan Nguyen, welcome to Learning Bayesian Statistics. Really awesome to have you there. Yeah, Ravin, I think we are basically seeing each other every day, <laughs> but never on the podcast. So that's super nice to have you there. Wow, so I feel like an outsider now. <laughs> yeah, you can go if you want, Quan. <laughs> no, don't say that. No, and Quan, we have met via the Slack for PyMCOM. And yeah, you did like so much work for PyMCOM. So I'm super you. glad to, to have you on the podcast. And I can't, I can't wait to to talk about all the stuff you guys did for for the conference. But first, as always in the podcast, I, li I like talking about the background of the guests. And so let's start with uh, you, Quan, actually. How did you come to the data slash stats world? And what do you do today? So I guess my first encounter with the terms like data science on machine learning was during a research internship back in my undergrad. For the most part, when I first started my PhD program, I took a course from a professor, now is my advisor, and he was teaching the Bayesian methods in machine learning course, and I was taking that class. One thing after another, I ended up working with him now, and now I'm a PhD student researching uh, Bayesian ML, basically. Nice. You started doing patient stuff pretty early, actually. I wouldn't say early. It was just a year ago when I first started my PhD program. So I'm the new guy here, basically. But PyMC3 has always been on my radar for a couple of years. But we can get to that later. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what about you, Ravin? How did you come to the data world? And what do you do today? <laughs> so I came to the data world outside of data, I came from manufacturing supply chain where I was building these humongous oil tools and later on rockets and later on salads. And I was seeing that all these cool people at Facebook and Google and Kaggle were having these interesting machine learning things. Netflix had a million dollar prize back in the day, right, for the recommendation algorithm. And then I looked at, over into my industries and saw that people were making these hundred million dollar decisions or even billion dollar decisions and just sort of sitting in a conference room staring at each other. But the data was there. There was data in enterprise resource planning systems. There was data in the HRS systems, but it was not being utilized. So for me, it seemed obvious it would make sense that we use the information that's now being captured all over the place in these businesses to help these businesses make better decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. And actually, how do you think your field is Bayesian? You know, how Bayesian is your field, basically? Because like an industry... You have like more and more of these machine learning take more and more topics from what I see, but the Bayesian side is always a bit more discreet and not as developed. So how is it for supply chain management? I'm going to word this two ways. I would say on one hand, everyone is extremely Bayesian. If we take the human knowledge, the human idea of Bayesianism where, hey, this supplier screwed me over and was late or this rocket blew up, like, oh, that's a pretty big learning, right? We had a prior that we were going to make some really awesome decision that would be great for the company. Somebody did. And then something happens, we get some data. Maybe it's not numbers, 
but it's an experience, and then you learn and move forward, right? So in that sense, it's particularly Bayesian. Now, the question I'll pose is how numerically Bayesian are folks? I'd say not very right now in my particular field, but in my experience, and this is my Bayesian learning, if you incorporate it into the right way that fits the way companies work, they tend to go along with it. But that's the real trick and the real challenge. So I'm working on making it more Bayesian, but uh, it's a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet you do. And with you, Quen, because I think if you listen to some of the best episodes, I've had some researchers here and a question I like to ask them is how Bayesian their field is and basically how easy it is to find people to write papers with, you know, Yeah. So I guess I could talk a little bit about the general field of ML. And I guess as some sort of beginner of year ago, I would say ML is not very Bayesian just because, you know, when you start out learning about machine learning, you would learn about random forests or maybe neural networks and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But actually, this is what I learned later on. Sub-communities in machine learning that actually just live on Bayesian probability, like Bayesian optimization or active learning, active search, stuff like that. And I think people in our community are for sure realizing that all the benefits that the Bayesian framework gives you are really nice and really valuable, especially for ML models. You guys know this already, like uncertainty quantification or interpretability. Those things are really valuable for especially black box ML models. Nowadays, we see more and more papers on Bayesian machine learning on like really big conferences like NeurIPS or AAAI. So that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. I want to actually bounce off what Quan said right there. Like the research that he's doing with black box machine learning algorithms not being sufficient in all areas is the problem that I have with business decisions, right? Like can't have a random force make a big strategic decision. So the work that Quan does or the other Bayesian researchers do means that I can leverage these ideas and algorithms to make decisions with uncertainty. So it's a really great relationship from academia to business in my perspective. Have you guys seen those examples of where neural nets go just crazy when we initiate some like adversarial attacks on like images and whatnot? Like it will look at what is clearly a cat and it will say a dog or a bicycle and whatnot. And those kinds of things happen all the time in deep learning. And that's not really a concrete concept of uncertainty quantification there, except when we apply Bayesian learning to that, which is a different story in and of itself, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's super interesting. And I'm guessing that you're going to talk at least a bit about that in your talk at PyMC on, but don't want to make any spoilers. So, you know, just teasing, just teasing. <laughs> Actually, before moving on to that, I guess that you already answered a bit, Quan, but maybe you can dive a little bit more. So, Ravin, do you remember how you first got introduced to Bayesian methods? You already said why they were attractive to you and how often you used them. Yeah, I remember pretty well because it was pretty recently, about a year ago. Again, I was taking a course on Bayesian machine learning from my advisor, Robin Garnett. And like not having encountered Bayesian statistics prior to that, it was like a whole new world to me. Everything was great. You can do uncertainty quantification again, but there's a clear concept of credible intervals as opposed to confidence intervals, much more natural. And, you know, there's a certain aesthetics to it when you represent your belief as a probability distribution. But yeah, after that class, I was totally hooked. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go on and keep working with him now as a PhD student and just researching Bayesian methods in machine learning. Yeah, that sounds great. I mean, I would have liked to have this kind of supervisor. 
And actually, I'm curious, what technical stack was he using in the course? So the man is a hardcore Bayesian, so he didn't actually require us to use anything at all. So he just basically said, you guys can use whatever you want, MATLAB even, I don't care. Mm. Actually, it was during that course that I first used PyMC3 as well when we were learning about all the MCMC algorithms. But yeah, we didn't actually have a Bayesian software stack that we had to use, but that's when I first started using PyMC3. Yeah, that's what I was guessing. So that's why I asked you that because I would have been super surprised that Python and PyMC were like the default of the course. I mean, in academia, usually it's not Python the first choice though. Mm. I mean, that's great that you were able to choose whatever you preferred. That's really great. I find that super awesome. I think it kind of connects back to what Ravin was saying about how like you can use whatever tool you want as long as it's helpful to you. Yeah. And somewhere along those lines, I found that PyMC3 was consistently the best tool that I was able to use. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. Ravin, let's turn to you now. Does your encounter with Bayesian methods? I have two introductions to Bayesian methods. The first ones were in Nate Silver's book, I think The Signal and the Noise, the yellow covered book. Yeah. Reading his book, I was amazed that he was able to predict at least that election pretty well. Went out in 2012, I think, the book, right? 2012, yeah. You think it was good in 2008, 2012. We won't talk about 2016. <laughs> yeah, but being frank, I actually thought patient methods were pretty worthless after reading that book for myself mm. because the examples were the point probabilities type stuff. So it was like P given cancer, if a positive test, P given cancer versus the negative, or the other way around or whatever. And so you had to have the likelihood, the prior and the base rate probability and then you get a posterior probability that's just a point. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I can do with this. Like that doesn't work for me in my supply chain examples where I have numbers that are real valued, right? From a distribution. I kept seeing Bayesian methods and machine learning courses as like an addendum, right? That'd be like one lecture. Again, it would be point probabilities. And it'd be like, this is Bayesian methods. It updates with point probabilities. So mm. for quite a number of years, it's like, oh, Bayesian methods are not useful for me whatsoever. I don't know why I even bother learning them. I should spend more time with neural nets because that was like the hot topic. Mm. What flipped that for me, though, was Cam Davidson Pylon's book, Bayesian Methods for Hackers, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard of. In the first page, I saw all these distributions going on. I distinctly remember two examples from his book. One of them was the text message example he had on his first page showing the distribution and change point detection. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Like I need to do change point detections. I need to know when suppliers go from being on time to being late. And there's uncertainty, which makes it even better. And then the other one that stuck out to me was the challenger example. I believe in chapter three, there's a Netflix documentary now, but the short version of it is that uh, America launched a rocket in the mid eighties and it happened to blow up and it unfortunately killed all the astronauts on board. And it turned out that if people had done a better job, A, listening to scientists, which is one thing, but also visualizing the data in a certain way, um, potentially that disaster could have been averted. And so between the two of those, I was like, oh my God, I didn't know what it was at the time. I didn't know what a prior or posterior or like any of this stuff meant, how to use it. I barely started using PyMC3, but I was like, this is like the way. And that's been that way for four or five years now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I like this story and this encounter with the Bayesian methods. And actually, Cam Davidson Pylon is going to be a speaker in PyMC on. So I'm guessing that's one talk you're going to want to watch. Sure is. Yeah. And by the way, let's dive into that now. So you guys love and use PyMC3 quite a lot in your work and even on your free time. That's why you do a lot to organize PyMC on, which is the first ever conference around the PyMC world. So what can you guys tell us about it? Maybe let's start by why this conference? All right, I'll go with this. So 
the reason I kicked off the thing for Primeceon was we talked about it a little bit in our Slack, in our Prime T3 Slack, Smart Inference Slack. Just felt like we should just do it. Like at some point we talked about it enough. It was like, let's just kick it off, get it going. And the reason being is that we have a lot of code, right? We have a lot of notebooks. We have the repos. There's a lot going on. What I really like at the Primacy community, which is how I ended up in any way, is everybody really cares about the community, right? We have a discourse board. We try and go to talks. And this just felt like one of the things we can do for our community as a whole put on a conference that's dedicated to the tools and the methods and the people so we can all get together. Alex, I actually want to flip the script on here a little bit. I think you're being a little bit modest. You also are planning privacy on as a diversity chair. So I want to ask you, why did you decide to become diversity chair <laughs> at privacy on and dedicate your time to it? <laughs> yeah. Interesting question. Why do people do anything? <laughs> Well, I think there are several reasons. The main reason is challenge to have more diversity in the things we do, both for PyMC, but for the stats world and in general and the Bayesian world in general. I think that trying to get more people from more diverse backgrounds in our community can only be helpful for all of us. That's also due to my personal background. I come from a very diverse family from my father, from my mother. So I have always been in very diverse communities. So I know that I always strive for that. Also, the other diversity chair is Oriol and he had like a bunch of really cool ideas and that was very inspiring. <laughs> and so basically I was like, man, that sounds super cool. We should do that together. And I'm used to work with Oriol, so I was like, oh yeah, plus it's going to be very different to do all of that with Oriol. So yeah, basically it's mainly the challenge, you know, of that, okay, we know we have this problem. How do we try to not solve it, but at least, you know, contribute part of the solution and trying to attract more people from more diverse background into our community, which is a very welcoming community. As you said, Ravin, I had exactly the same experience when I started contributing to RVs and to PyMC. So basically, the goal is to help more people from more diverse background get exactly the same experience as the one we had. And I hope I answered your question. Very weird to answer a question on my podcast, but nice, nice. Thanks. No, let's switch script again. I want to talk about how the conference will be organized, what will be the format, because this is a very particular year. So unfortunately, we have no in-person conference, which is very sad, but I hope next year we will be able to have one. So what did we end up doing this year and how are things going to go? So I guess, Alex, like you said, it will be asynchronous first type of conference where we would have all of our materials online. There will be some real-time interactions between speakers and the audience, but most of the time the audience will be able to basically absorb all of the materials in their own time. First of all, the conference is split between two tracks, beginner and advanced. People can still obviously jump around the tracks, but this is to make sure that everyone of all levels will be able to benefit from their experience. In each track, though, we'll have three different types of talks, traditional talks and tutorials. And there's also this new thing called Let's Build a Model Talks. And this last thing is what I think it's one of the most exciting things about this conference mm -hmm. where, as you guys know this already, because we talked about this during the planning, but when you build a Bayesian model, there's so many different small details and decisions that you need to take into account, tricks of the trade, if you will. Mm. And it's really hard to really consolidate all of that into written text. So I think it will be 
And I guess Ravin was the one who brought this up. So he thought that it would be very beneficial to have the speakers, Alex being one of them, walk through their code, their model building, so that the audience will be able to actually understand what's going on throughout the process, which I think is a very unique experience. There will be also keynotes and different networking activities during the day of the conference as well. So everything will be very fun and exciting. So to add a little bit of color, like Quan said, the conference will be asynchronous first. The talks are going to go onto the PyMC3 discourse on October 24th, and we'll flip them on, and that'll be visible to the whole world, no cost. You can just log on and see them whenever you want. Exactly one week later. On October 31st, we'll have the synchronous sessions. There's two of them. And the GMT plus two time zone starting at 9 a.m. And the GMT minus seven time zone starting at 9 a.m. And just like Quan said, there's going to be keynotes that are played at that time with a Q&A. I think we are going to get that a little bit later. There'll also be Q&A from each one of the speakers that'll be live. And there'll be sprints for folks that want to learn how to get an on-ramp into contributing to code. There's like a networking chat. We're going to use Zulip because we're all about open source through and through. <laughs> and there's going to be a beginner zone that we'll get into as well. Yeah, this is like super exciting. I know all of that. And still, when you guys are talking about this, I'm like, oh man, this is going to be so nice, so cool. It's interesting too, because we've been planning async. So this is the second synchronous call that we've had on it. So I haven't said any of these things out loud. I've typed these into Google Docs yeah, and yeah. chat box, but it feels so <laughs> weird to talk to you two about it in person after sending you thousands yeah. of messages over Slack. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and actually, yeah, just one more thing about the Discord stuff, which I find super nice is that, so all the videos will be there, one post per video. And so the nice thing is that it's a Discord. So people will be able to ask questions just exactly in the post. Basically, it will be an asynchronous Q&A with each of the authors. So I think it's going to be super interesting and valuable to have all these discussions from all these different people from the Bayesian community. Can't wait for that. And actually, can people already register and where? Let me talk about the registration and funds because this is really important. So if you want to do the async things, you can register on the PyMC discourse as always. It's completely mm. free and we're, you know, the community's there. So there's nothing needed for that portion. If you'd like to attend the synchronous portion, you can register on Eventbrite and we'll send out details on how to attend the conference synchronously. The synchronous portion does have some cost. It's $15 for student suggested, $45 USD for professional, and $105 for corporate. But I want to point out another thing I think is super cool about this conference is awesome volunteers like yourself, Alex, Kwan, and so many others on the page are doing this in a manner that all of the funds will go to Primacy Project and I'm focused. The only asterisk is the uh, Eventbrite processing fee. But other than that, all the money goes to the projects, which helps not only PyMC, but all of the NumFocus projects like Pandas and Scikit-Learn and everything else that we know and love. And NumPy and Stan. And stand, yeah, everything. So by keeping NumFocus healthy, and I'll do a quick reference for NumFocus for those who don't know it, but NumFocus is this 501c3 nonprofit that helps keep all the organizations healthy and provides us guidance and support. But, you know, they have salaries and we're helping them pay their salaries and everything like that and keep the nonprofit going. But the point I want to make is we have the option to donate extra. And so if you do, the money will go to these projects. And also for the Americans, it's tax deductible. Even though we're giving away most of the concerts for free, I really do hope that folks either sign up for the synchronous session because they see value in that or independently decide to donate to NumFocus to whatever project that even if it's not mm -hmm. PyMC3. Very good pitch. I had planned to do one of these pitches, but I think it's okay. You've covered it now. 
<laughs> Basically, that's pretty great. And of course, the link to register to the synchronous portion of PyMC on will be in the show notes. It's going to be really awesome. And as you said, Revin, there is clearly value in registering for the synchronous portion because we are really lucky to have three keynote speakers for our first ever PyMC on. And so, Quan, who are they and what will they talk about? Yes, I think either of you guys will be able to do a better job introducing them. So we actually have three speakers in total. The first one is Chris Fernsbeck, and he's obviously the benevolent dictator for life for the PyMC project. And I believe his talk is going to be about just the whole PyMC system and the community around it in general, the past, present, and the future, as he quoted, I think. And yeah. it's going to be very interesting because as someone who doesn't contribute to PyMC or Arvis, I'm still a little bit fuzzy about all the details surrounding that core team. So having that talk will be able to provide a lot of openness in addition to what we already have, which is great. And that is something that I myself can really appreciate. Other than that, we also have Viola Prisman and Aki, who are two other keynote speakers. And Viola's talk is going to be about COVID and the Bayesian model that her group recently developed. And apparently the paper has already been published. And it's going to be interesting because you guys have probably seen this already. There are so many different papers out there using some black box machine learning model like a neural net to predict COVID data. And it's just the craziest thing. But their model, the model from the Prisman group is very well developed and there's some very well calibrated uncertainty quantification to it. So very excited to see that one. And the last one, Aki. Aki is a personal hero of mine ever since I started using GP stuff. <laughs> and his talk on all of that was very interesting. I think his talk here at PyMC on is going to be about all the different approximation inference schemes that you can do, including variational inference. And it's one of those things that you know you cannot find uninteresting. Yeah. And just to make that clear, because I think everybody is calling him Aki, you know, in the community, but his full name is actually Aki Vetari. And so just to make sure people know uh, who we are talking about. But yeah, basically, it's going to be really nice. And I also can't wait to watch the talk from Viola in her group about the model. It's a model that uses PyMC3 and change point in the model and so on. So it's going to be a very intricate model, but like very interesting topics. So looking forward to that. I guess I should say all the code of the model is actually online in PyMC3. So yeah. everyone can use it. Yeah, definitely. The paper is actually interesting to read. At the very beginning of the paper, they say like the code is available on GitHub. We are using PyMC3. You can use that if you want. I was like completely blown away because you are not really used to see that in most academic papers. So I was like, wow, this is really cool. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks for this presentation, Quent. Maybe Ravin, can you tell us like how it's gonna happen, how these keynotes are gonna go? Because there is a talk, but then there is a Q&A. So I think that's where also listeners will get some values. Yes. Most of the videos will be published on the discourse prior to the conference. The keynotes though are reserved to play during the synchronous conference. So we'll play the recordings on October 31st in both time zones. And then after the keynotes in certain time zones, the speakers will have a Q&A. So like Chris Aki and Viola won't be present at every, both PyMCons, they need to sleep like normal people. But I believe 
following their keynotes at one of the time zones, whether it's the European time zone or the Americas, depending on their preference. There'll be a 15 to 30 minute Q&A depending on their preference. So the secret sessions are where you're going to see their talks for the first time and also get a chance to ask them a couple of questions if you decide to attend. And then, of course, we will publish the recordings for sure after the synchronous session. So they'll be on Discourse like everything else. And uh, we're going to try recording the Q&As as well. No promises because technology <laughs> is always flaky. We're, we're figuring out with WebEx and NumFocus how we can get those ideally recorded and published as well. Yeah, this is going to be really fun to watch all of that. And actually now let's dive a bit more into the program and the different talks because like, man, there is so many, so many talks. I mean, I was skimming through the page again on the PyMC on website. And of course, I'm going to put that in the show notes and I was like, oh, this is really great. Oh, I want to watch that. Oh, and this one is so great. So for the pleasure and, you know, maybe also give a preview to listeners and make them want to attend this conference. Let's dive in a bit more into the program. And of course, I mean, it's impossible to pick favorites here. I want to watch all these talks, but we'll have, you know, our interests, maybe particular questions about a particular model and so on. So I'm wondering which talks are of particular interest to you, the ones that you're like definitely going to watch. Well, Alex, obviously the two favorite talks are the ones from yourself and Quan, right? <laughs> the only ones I'm going to watch. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. That being said, though... <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's hard for me to pick a particular favorite, but what I really liked actually about this is there's talks in every category. We've got talks about Pokemon Go, we have talks on visualization and circular variables, we have talks. Your election talk is for me as an American, something that I'm nail-biting and I'm going to watch. So we have talks from academia, we have talks from industry. It has been challenging for me to pick a particular favorite, but I will say my favorite one so far has been Elizabeth's because she was the first one to upload it. And it was just so exciting to see a recording and all this culmination come together. So thank you so much, Elisaveta, for being the first one to get your stuff done and put it up. So, so listeners know because Elisaveta Semenova, she was on episode 21 of the podcast and she talked about this was a really great episode and actually listeners really loved this episode. It was about Gaussian processes and Bayesian neural networks. And yeah, Elisaveta is going to give a talk about uh, building an ordered logistic regression model for toxicity prediction at PyMCON. So yeah, it's really going to be super interesting. And thanks again, Elisaveta, for doing that. I know that she listens to the podcast, so thanks a lot. <laughs> I mean, this is such a great lineup that we have here. Personally, I have some curiosity about a sampling method, which is sequential Monte Carlo, which is a method yet that you can use for some complicated models where HMC has some difficulties. So it's something that I don't know a lot about yet and something I want to learn more. And we're going to have a talk by Osvaldo Martin and Pedro Germán Ramírez. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. And I think it's going to be really great. Osvaldo was actually on the podcast and on the first episode of the podcast. So if people like this, they can go back. We have talks about COVID-19 modeling with Michael Ostage and Nora Helikes. One talk I really look forward to is Junpeng Lao's talk about missing multivariate observation. What do you do with them and so on? I mean, this is going to be a super interesting talk. It's going to be a bit more advanced, I think. But as you said, Ravin, something I really like in the conferences that we have, like more introductory talk for beginners 
and then we have like really really targeted talks and and advanced ones so it's really awesome let's just also quote another one which is luciano pass talk this i think it's gonna be a hit of the conference because it's about like forward sampling in PyMC and what do you do when pm.sample.pastural predictive is spitting out a shape problem and I think people who go on the PyMC discourse often <laughs> know that it's something that people often ask about so this is definitely going to be super useful so as you see we have everything from like talks about how to use some functionality of PyMC to talks about more really applied how to do this kind of model, how to use this kind of sampling. So it's really exciting and diverse. Quan, maybe let's turn to you. Do you have like some talks that you have your eye on? Oh yeah, I'm gonna also put up like a non-helpful disclaimer that all talks are gonna be very interesting. And my hypothesis is that it's not a coincidence that Bayesian statisticians are working on such interesting and challenging problems. But yes, I did have my eye on that talk about using priors as fairness constraints mm -hmm. for decision-making mm -hmm. models. We've all heard horror stories about how, you know, biases and unfairness hidden in the data being learned by some kind of decision-making system. And then those decisions that are made later on in the process are affected by those biases. This is a talk by Vincent Vermerdam, right? I do believe so, yes. And using priors as some form of a soft constraint on such a thing is such an interesting idea, and I'm very excited to see that. And also, Sayam's talk on demystifying variational inference is going to be just a hit. I remember struggling so much when I first started learning about variational inference because that idea is very beautiful, but it can also turn people away from Bayesian statistics. And I think this talk is going to be a great talk and it's going to fill a big hole in the list of online resources that we have currently. Yeah, and the talk is titled Demystifying Variational Inference. So, I mean, it's really appropriate. Oh, yeah. <laughs> also, I had in mind, I found super interesting because it's going to go under the hood of both the Prophet package by Sean Taylor when he was at Facebook and PyMC3. And so it's a talk by Matisse Bruns and he's going to do time series modeling, but rebuilding profit from scratch in PyMC and then adding even more functionalities and I think the possibility to do hierarchical time series modeling in PyMC3. And I think this talk is also illustrative of most of the talks that we have, you know, like with really this generative view of the model and the data generating process. So it's going to be super interesting to see all of that. Honestly, I'm super excited. And actually now I want to turn to something that Travin mentioned earlier, which is something that is very new, another novelty that we have in the conference. And this is something that we call the beginner's zone. And it's something that Oriol Abriel, who I mentioned earlier, worked a lot on. Can you guys talk about that more specifically? And how is it going to go? And what are the goals also? Sure. I'll grab this one. I think just being blunt, Bayesians tend to care about the whole distribution, at least mathematically, where like we want everything to be fair. And in the math, we want fairness and the full distribution, but it, 
when it comes to the community, we aren't as diverse or whatnot as we could be, right? There's a lot of gaps and maybe the proportions of uh, representation are not indicative of the global population. And so the idea for the beginner zone is, you know, of course, we're going to end up with talks that are how to use Pimes 3 and cater to people that already have the requisite knowledge and the experience and all that to engage. But this actually came as a strong suggestion from somebody who was in one of those subgroups was that we really, really, really focus on an entry ramp for people. And, and this is something we wanted to do since the beginning of the conference by making it async so people can join in whatever the schedule is. And also by publishing the talks for free from the beginning first, we were hoping to reduce the barriers as much as possible. And this is probably the premier active effort we have to allow folks who have maybe just heard of Bayesian modeling or feel like they haven't had a friendly person to be able to talk to or are just interested in how to get involved, somewhere for them to start that's like a dedicated and sanctioned like safe space to ask whatever questions and whatever help that you need to get on. The way we're going to run this is that you don't need a ticket first off to get into the beginner zone. It'll be on the Zulip chat which would be free and open to everyone. And I have to say thank you to Zulip, the company, which gave us a standard plan, sorry, the premiere plan, just because they thought what we were doing is cool as well. So I appreciate it, Zulip. But anyhow, folks can log on to the Zulip. There'll be sort of mentors that are assigned at various time slots from the week prior to the week after the conference. It'll probably be, honestly, you, me, Kwan, and a lot of the folks that are helping either plan the conference or in the community. And we'll just answer questions for people that are there. Oriel and Corey in particular, I mean, this is a work in progress, so it's all happening live. And now, I don't know when this episode will be published, but like Oriel and Corey just this morning, we're talking about different workshops that'll be in there, like how to set up a Pipes 3 Python environment as being one sort of canned workshops to help people get the code working. Another workshop that Oriel and Corey are planning are how to pick priors, right? So maybe now you've got your code working, but how do you get your mind wrapped around the Bayesian stuff? So just underscoring again that it's really about the full distribution of the community. And all three of us are pretty well-traveled in our MCMC distributions, right? We've seen a lot of different points in our random walk. Uh, this is really meant for the people that are trying to take their first leapfrog or first step in their Markov chain of learning. <laughs> yeah, and Corey Bartholheimer, who does a lot of workshop and teaching using PyMC and RVs. It's going to be very fun to do that for a range of two weeks and welcoming people in the Zulip chat. This is an amazing initiative. I hope it's going to help beginners and also not just, you know, help them build one model, but help them really make consistent contributions and be able to go into discourse and talk to people and so on. And maybe little by little, gradually, we'll get more people from the regions of the distributions that we haven't assembled yet, hopefully. I guess I could talk a little bit about that. I myself am not really involved in that effort, but I have to say watching how hard the diversity committee in general and Oreo works specifically is really different from what I have seen so far outside of the PyMC community. So kudos to you guys for putting so much effort into just ensuring that diversity is something that we are always striving for. And the beginner zone is going to be one of the ways that will help people of all levels to be able to benefit from their experience participating in the conference. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so before the last two questions, maybe let me ask you a question that I like to ask from time to time. It's, do you guys have a favorite model, you know, like one model that you're always like, oh, yes, oh, that's, that's cool. This is a problem. I can apply this model. You're always happy to apply this model. 
I guess for somewhat of a beginner, I don't have a really specific model in mind. Gaussian processes, though, are mm-hmm. such a great tool in what I'm doing right now for my research. It's so volatile and it can do so many things like you guys already know. It's one of those mathematical objects that will give you so many benefits. Actually, you can do exact inferences on them without sampling, I think, in specific cases. So in a lot of machine learning models, that will give you a lot of power. So GPs are currently my favorite thing so far. I'll give you my non-answer, Alex, but my favorite model is whatever happens to help the organization make the decision that, that I'm in. So sometimes, you know, the organization needs to make a decision on the hierarchical model tends to be the best to like map over a bunch of suppliers. And maybe sometimes it's just a simple linear regression. A lot of times for me, it's just a distribution fit. Like the model is literally a mean, a sigma and a normal distribution and like a normal likelihood. And that is enough to provide more principled decision-making that then was available prior. And so for me, this is actually the big sell about Bayesian methods is it's not that you have to pick a favorite model, but the idea of parameter estimation can be applied in so many different ways in a controlled and a sane manner that it's such a flexible way of working with such a large variety of challenges. For me, there have been suppliers or material failures or predicting when people are going to quit restaurants, not predicting, but like a providing inference on when people will tend to leave restaurants based on covariates. It's just fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Okay, great. Well, this was super interesting, but before letting you go, I'm going to ask you the two questions I ask every guest at the end of the show. So first one, if you had unlimited time and resources, which problem would you try to solve? This is probably like the part that I'm most excited about, about being on this show. But <laughs> yes, so I think enough people, enough brilliant people on your show have already talked about solving or at least tackling climate problems. So I think mm. we're partially good on that front. I think one of the things that I like to study is the effect of just social media have on the way we're interacting with each other. Obviously, we're not going to disagree with the fact that technology is in general great and makes our lives so much better, especially during this time. But apparently some research has shown that social media use has been connected to a bunch of different stuff like depression or social anxiety, low self-esteem, or maybe political polarization. And you have all these companies that are spending a lot of effort on getting people to be engaged on social media longer. And I don't think it's very well understood how that will affect just our everyday life. So maybe studying it from some network or multi-agent systems perspective and then develop some Bayesian decision-making model in terms of how a tech company should roll out a new feature. I think that'd be one of the few problems that I have no idea how to solve but would like Mm. to study if I did Mm. have unlimited time and resources. I think this is probably appropriate given this is a whole podcast I'm planning a conference, but it'd be more effective human collaboration. The reason I give that answer is that, you know, I think people work together. We can do crazy cool things. We can build pyramids and we can go to space and we can make all these cool Asian libraries or whatever it may be. But I think if, I don't want to say solve the problem, but be more effective at working in a way that elevates everybody and working together, that itself will solve any one of the problems that we're facing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Great answers, guys. So second question now, if you could have dinner with any great scientific mind, dead, alive, or fictional, who would it be? 
Oh, I have so many people that I fanboy over, you two included, that it's pretty hard to pick just one. But one person that comes to mind is Edward Jens. He was actually a professor teaching at the university that I'm in currently, Washu in St. Louis. He's better known for his book, Probability Theory, The Logic of Science, I believe his title is. Mm-hmm. And he was really big on using probability as an extension of a logical system and just using probability as a way to make inference and reason about the world. So needless to say, he was a big proponent of Bayesian probability. And I think just being able to talk to the guy would be very inspiring. The man had a lot of strong opinions on frequentism, and that was expressed in his books as well. So I think he'll be an interesting guy to talk to. (laughs) Yeah, I think so too. What about you, Ravin? For me, we talked about the challenger issue in the past And the person I'd want to meet is Roger Beaujolais, who's an engineer at Morton Thiokol, which was the company that was making the O-rings, which caused the Challenger failure. And I just want to ask him so many questions, like from, um, I don't even know where to start because I have so many questions, but things from just like, how was it being sort of a technical person that was trying to do the right thing, but ended up not being able to convince an organization that they needed to adjust their behavior that caused such a failure? What was it like before? And how did he sort of I'm just going to say live with the guilt and and sort of process that later because he became a very big advocate for ethics in technical decision making. But I'd also want to do things like show him some of the, you know, the logistic regression models we have with uncertainty. Like again, from, from Cameron's book and saying, hey, if you actually had this uncertainty visualization at the time, do you think things would have been different? So both from maybe, you know, data visualization perspective, all the way from like a human ethics, sort of technical human ethicist questions. I would just love to pick his brain if possible. Yeah. (laughs) We can build a time machine and go back. Yeah, definitely. Okay, guys. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time. It was really a pleasure to go behind the scenes of PyMCON. I'm really looking forward to watch all these amazing talks. So make sure to tune in on October 31st if you want to listen to our beloved BTFL talk about the future of PyMC. I'm guessing that there is going to be some exciting announcements there. Again, all money goes to helping open source software development. So if OSS is valuable to you, now is the time to show it. As usual, all the links and resources will be in the show notes. I really want to thank all the volunteers who helped us build this conference from basically nothing. So thank you to everyone who took part in this crazy adventure. And thank you especially to you two, Ravin and Quan, for being on this show and for taking the time to organize this conference. Thank you, Alex. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Alex. Thanks as well for helping organize the conference. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you bet. See you guys. This has been another episode of Learning Bayesian Statistics. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your favorite podcatcher and visit learnbasestats.envol.app for more resources based on today's topics as well as access to more episodes that will help you reach true patient state of mind. That's learnbasestats.envol.app Our theme music is Good Bayesian by Baba Brinkman, Fit MC Lars, and Megaran. Check out his awesome work at bababrinkman.com I'm your host, Alex Endora. You can follow me on Twitter at Alex underscore Endora, like the country. You can support the show and unlock exclusive benefits by visiting patreon.com slash learn base stats. Thank
thanks so much for listening and for your support. You're truly a good baby and change your predictions after taking information. And if you're thinking I'll be less than amazing, let's adjust those expectations. Let me show you how to be a good baby. Change calculations after taking fresh data. Those predictions that your brain is making, let's get them on a solid foundation.